Hello, everyone. Welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F. as in Fellowship, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Connecticut. Today is Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021, and this is our 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting. Today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we are in Chapter 4, We Agnostics. On page 45, we will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph on page 45 that starts with, we know how he feels, and ends on page 46 with, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Today's readers are Maura Z, Marge E, Leslie M, Craig F, and Nancy P. The share ID numbers for yesterday, Monday, March 22nd, 2021, are 16,625 for the 7 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that's 16,625, and 16,626 for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time meeting, that's 16,626. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Maura Z to read the OA 12 steps. Thank you, Rebecca. Morsey, Recovering in Virginia. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, may direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, 
continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Morrissey from Virginia. I will now ask Marge E. to read the OA 12 tradition. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Uh, Marge E. recovered in Massachusetts. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement of OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overreader who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you, Margie from Massachusetts. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. 
then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book and we will be reading and commenting on the third paragraph on page 45 that starts with, we know how he feels and ends on page 46 with, but it was fleeting and soon lost. I will now ask Leslie N. to go ahead and read that for us. Good morning. Thank you, Rebecca F., for your service. My name is Leslie M. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Long Island, New York. We know how he feels. We have shared his honest doubt and prejudice. Some of us have been violently anti-religious. To others, the word God brought up a particular idea of him with which someone had tried to impress them during childhood. Perhaps we rejected this particular conception because it seemed inadequate. With that rejection, we imagined we had abandoned the God idea entirely. We were bothered with the thought that faith and dependence upon a power beyond ourselves was somewhat weak, even cowardly. We looked upon this war world of warring individuals, warring theological systems, and inexplicable calamity with deep skepticism. We looked askance at many individuals who claimed to be godly. How could a supreme being have anything to do with it all? And who could comprehend a supreme being anyhow? Yet in other moments, we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made all this? There was a feeling of awe and wonder, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Um, yes, this paragraph is huge and has many, many concepts in it. Um, it one of the things that, that struck me was we have, we have shared this honest doubt and prejudice. And um, I've been around in OA for a long time and, and you know, always knew that there was a spiritual part of the program, um, but I never got the fact that it was um, a totally a spiritual malady that required a spiritual solution. There's no spiritual part. It's all spiritual. And that um, was something that, that passed me by for many, many years. Um, but the other thing that really spoke to me in this paragraph today was it, it talks here as we found ourselves thinking, when enchanted by a starlit night, who then made this? Um, but it was fleeting and soon lost. Um, I was lucky enough in my lifetime to um, live for two years in Yosemite National Park, um, which is an absolutely gorgeous place. Um, and at night, it's even better because there's very little ambient light. So the stars are right there, you know, whatever celestial bodies are, are right there for you. And, um, you know, so I've had that experience. But when it says it was fleeting and soon lost, it reminds me, and, and, and those things were, but it reminds me also of my resolutions, my resolutions to do better tomorrow, my resolutions to not eat like that again, um, my resolutions to, you know, stop this. When, um, as they've talked in the previous power, you know, my, my, my dilemma was lack of power. I didn't have the power to do any of those things. And in order to get that power, I needed to have this spiritual experience happen to me. But yeah, since I wasn't following the directions, um, this was, it wasn't going to happen for me. And I'm grateful that, the, you know, the last time around when I, hopefully my last relapse, um, that I got that gift of desperation, that gift that said, I'm as powerless over my, over my food and, my, and I'm also powerless over my thinking. Um, and I went back and said, all right, I'm going to work this to the best of my ability. And, um, you know, and with that, 
um, you know, I got I got what, what my guide was teaching me. Um, I got what this book offered, this spiritual, uh, this spiritual experience, so that I have that food neutrality and the mental obsession has been removed. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leslie M. from New York. Now, although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your sharing to every third day in order that others might share their experience too. So if you haven't shared on an A Vision for You meeting on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 45, we know how he feels through But It Was Fleeting and Soon Lost on page 46, please press star one to unmute and state your first name and last initial. This is uh oh. Whoever this is, Aaron Rettling. This is Katie G from Ms. Boston. Barbara E. Okay. Ms. Wait one second. I Janet B. Craig F. Janet B. <laughs> Janet B. I heard of Barbara. Aaron Lauren Craig. Lauren Penny C. A. New York. Uh, Penny C. Lauren N. Oh, Lauren N. Thank you. All right. Let me tell you who I heard. And if you said your name, I'll give you another chance. Uh, Katie G. Barbara, I think it was E. Janet B. Craig F. Lauren N. Penny C. Did you say your name? If you said your name, try again if I didn't say it just now. Oh, I. Anyone there? I got everybody who said their name. Wow. Didn't feel it. Aaron R. Okay. Aaron R or Aaron R, maybe? Aaron R, yes. E R I N R. Okay. Anybody else want to hop on or wait till next time? Okay. Dawn S. Dawn S. Okay, I'm going to stop there. And we have Katie G, Barbara E, Janet B, Craig F, Lauren N, Penny C, Aaron R, and Dawn S. Katie G, go right ahead. Hi, Rebecca. Good morning. Thank you for taking the meeting. This is Katie G, Recovered Compulsive Eater in Boston. Um, you know, I definitely rejected the, the God idea entirely. I was anti-religious. Um, and, you know, I think what this book and this chapter teaches me is it's not what I don't know that's the problem. It's everything I think I know, right? So I think I'm a compulsive eater, but I have no dependence because it's weak, even cowardly. But my very turning on a, a, a light bulb, which is what the this chapter is going to teach me, means I'm relying on something. You know, and sometimes I get concerned because our community really makes a lot, a big deal about how this is not religion. And absolutely, this is, 12-step is not a religion. But the thing is, the whole point of this program, the whole point is that I'm an egomaniac. The whole point is that I am powerless over food. I am never going to not have my food allergy. And I'm never going to be able to manage my life. Right? And it's not because I... It, I don't I don't start learning how to manage my life 
the whole point of this program for me has about been stepping out of God's role. Like I can have deep skepticism on religious people who are prejudiced or who are doing things, but my behavior is not any better, right? My behavior is not any better. And again, the whole point of this program, I, I'm not going to soft pedal the God, the higher power. My book teaches me I am quick to see where religious people are right. I make use of what it offers. I'm quick to see where OA is right. Make use of what it offers. Like the problem is not um, what somebody else is saying. The problem is that I'm disturbed. And please, God, help me to set aside everything I think I know because I'm telling you, I did not know that God was this creative to get me 16 years into OA, five years post um, relapse from exercise bulimia, you know, with the, the family that I have, the fellows that I have, the daughters that for some reason God has bestowed upon me, the fact that I can help another woman today. You know, my primary purpose is to stay abstinent and to help others, and I can do that by having an entire psychic change. And who gives that to me? God or higher power, if you got to call it higher power. But the whole point of this program is to get God. And um, I, what I love about this paragraph is it reminds me that even I, even I trust things. Even if I think I don't, I do. So might as well give up all my old ideas, might as well give up everything I think I, I know, because what I know has gotten me into this program on my knees. So please, God, do you do it. I'm not going to eat today. I'm going to show up, God willing, as a recovered woman with all of you. With that, I pass. Oh, thanks, Katie G. Barbara E., you're next. Good morning, everyone. It's Barbara E. in New Jersey. Well, I, too, found I had trouble believing in God, much less the thought that if there was a God, and I turned to it, it could solve my problem with volume overeating. Also, I thought God was not doing such a great job out in the world. So how was he capable of or had enough time to worry or care about me and my overwhelming desire to kill myself with food? And besides, I needed some tangible proof that there was a God, a miracle of some kind, please something I could believe in. And I also encountered some religious people who called people harsh names because of their race, their religion, their ethnicity, and there was so much calamity out there in the world, race riots, COVID, mask issues, and also my own self-importance got in the way. Was I worshiping myself, my marriage, my career, my sponsor? This all contributed to the sludge blocking me from a belief that I needed a power with a capital P. An outside intervention was truly needed. No group or sponsor could be this power. So I had to surrender and admit the possibility that I truly needed my own higher power that I could turn to, and once I did, I started to get results I never thought were possible, provided I committed wholeheartedly to doing all the work because I had no choice. I couldn't eat my binge food safely. 
when I started, I couldn't stop. And when I wanted to stop, I found I couldn't. I had to accept I was one of the 10% who were powerless over food. And my disease had lied to me and tricked me into thinking I could do it on my own. And I couldn't. A quote of Mr. Rogers said, the best thing you can give yourself is your honest self. And the cornerstone of this program is willingness, honesty. And finally, I was willing to surrender. And when I did, I did this start to experience the promises listed in the text. And I found the work and the willingness and feel the relief from the whole in my soul. I was willing to let my higher power lead the way. Remember, it's all about the food, guys, until it's not about the food. God, save me and show me the way. I'm so grateful to face each day, ready to do his work. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Barbara E. from New Jersey. Janet B. Hi, good morning. This is Janet B. Recovered from Compulsive Eating and Bulimia in New Jersey. I love this paragraph because this is where we really get down to work. It talks about the prejudices that we have against God. What's blocking me from a belief in God? And I went through this once and I looked and I saw that there were five prejudices listed in this chat, in this paragraph alone. Um, How I was brought up with God, that concept didn't work for me. If I believe in God, it makes me weak. I can't believe in something I don't understand. And one that I just um, caught my eye this morning, it says, inexplicable calamity. I mean, who of us hasn't looked out and said, if there was a God, why did this person who's so good die of cancer? Why is there human trafficking? Why is all this happening? And I get comfort from the fact that Bill Wilson had these same exact questions. If I look on page 11, I hear when Ebby first went to Bill, Bill was saying, well, um, the power of God in human affairs was negligible. If I look at the wars, the chicanery, all of that, he says, the brotherhood of man is a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss. What? Bill was saying, not only is there not a God, but it seems like the devil's in charge. And what did Ebby say to him? He didn't sit there and try to argue with him. All he did was say to him that God did for him what he couldn't do for himself. Basically, I have to say, God, I don't understand why you haven't put an end to human trafficking now. I don't know why there's war. I don't know why half a million people in America have died of COVID. But all I know is that when I surrender to you and try to do your will in my life, my life works and the obsession with food isn't here. And I love also the paragraph before, because while this paragraph tells me my prejudices against God, the paragraph before starts giving me clues about God. It says its its main object of this book is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself, which will solve your problem. So if this power, if this God is going to solve my problem, That gives me three clues about God, three positive clues. God has to be smart if he can figure out how to solve my problem because I certainly haven't. 
been able to figure it out without his help. God has to be powerful because this illness is stronger than I am. I'm like an army of one fighting an army of a hundred when I'm fighting the illness. But God's got unlimited power. And if this smart, strong power is going to solve my problem, then this power, this God, must care about me. So that I can get behind, a God who's smart, strong, and cares about me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Janet B. from New Jersey. Craig F. Good morning. Thank you. This is Craig F., recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, you know, this, this to me, that what, what I get from this paragraph, these paragraphs, is um, a reminder that my, uh, m- my mind can overcomplicate anything. You know, I, I can take a, a question and get down into uh, and, and find a way to argue with, with anybody over anything, to find a way to argue with, with God. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, um, there are times that served me in my life. You know, the question everything, question authority, question whatever. There's times that that served me, and there's times when that has been the absolute biggest tripping point uh, for me that, that there can be. And, you know, when I exist in this space that says, simply, there's a God and I'm not it, and I think I'll get to knowing, you know. I think I'll get to, I think I will um, uh, seek God instead of uh, uh, act feeling like I should know God already when I when I get down to that simplicity of of trying to know God um, and and opening myself up to that and and get out of the debating society uh, I, I'm in I'm in such a better place I'm in a place where 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 I think this God um, However, you define him can deal with me. Um, I, I I tell the story some, and I'm going to tell it again. I, I was church shopping one time, and I I was sitting in a pew at, at a new church, and in front of me were two young boys who had who were Down syndrome boys, and uh, they uh, and I was sitting there in my arrogance, thinking. These boys will never figure this out. They're never going to figure out um, what to believe and what not to believe, what theology to to accept. And and uh, and, and in my arrogance, I was struck with the thought that neither will you. You know that that uh, uh, when it comes to the mind of God, when it comes to something an issue that large that the difference between their intelligence and my intelligence isn't really that much. But, but what they did have was one of these boys didn't want to be there. He was upset with the fact that he had to be there. He didn't like this idea about a God, and he, was, uh, he wasn't going to participate. And the other boy, he knew God loved him, and he knew he loved God, and he was happy to be there, and he sang at the top of his lungs off key and and I thought you know I, I'm I have faced with the same I'm faced with the same choice that these young boys were faced with and that is am I going to accept help am I going to surrender and get to know this God uh, 
that that uh, uh, I'm assured loves me, or am I going to rebel and and reject and not accept? And and uh, I had that choice to make, and I think I've made it. And with that, that I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Craig S. Lauren, and you're next, but I'll let the latecomers know what we're sharing on, and that is uh, the third paragraph on page 45, we know how he feels. Go ahead, Lauren N. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. Lauren N. from New York here. Wow, could I relate to this reading? I can relate to all the shares up until now, but the reading definitely. How in, in how fleeting the belief is or how fleeting this whole thing is that there's a higher power that can help me or a God that can help me get out of my food. Oh, I I want to believe it every day and every day I forget. And every day I remember and I remind myself and I constantly forget and I constantly remind myself. And thank God that I have all the, all you fellows and my higher power to remind me every day that I am entirely powerless over this food, over this disease. And only with that absolute understanding can I make it through 24 hours without binging, 24 hours without having any sugar or flour or any of my allergic foods. Thank you all. Thank this program. Thank this blue book, this little book, chip of a book, the first 164 pages, which reminds me over and over again how powerless I am when it comes to picking up, to having food in my life. Two bariatric surgeries later, and I was gaining my weight back, and I came crawling into this room on my knees over five years ago. And thank God I am recovered today, and I don't desire to pick up any more. And it's only because of this higher power that I have this entire neutrality around food. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thanks, Lauren N. from New York. Penny C. Rebecca, I didn't say my name. Perhaps it's oh, another Penny. Penny. But good morning. I wasn't sure. Good morning, Penny C. Um, does someone think I said Penny C when I met their name? Okay. Sorry about that. Erin R. Can y'all hear me? I hear someone, yeah. All right. Hey, I'm Erin R. Um, from Charleston, South Carolina. And um, I, oh, I uh, struggle with bulimia. Um, and I'm very new to the program. And um, I am about six months sober in another fellowship. And 
Um, so I'm familiar with this paragraph and, you know, for me, um, I have no problem with the, with God. Um, I believe in God, I believe the word of God, and I definitely believe even more after, um, you know, I was a very low bottom drunk. So the fact that I'm not drinking is definitely a testament to God in my life. Now, when it comes to the food issue, I have no idea how to apply that. Um, I I read the Bible, I read the big book, um, but I just can't figure out how to apply this, um, you know, when it comes to binging and purging. And, um, you know, it really, this paragraph made me, like I'm sitting here in my bed and um, I, the only thing I can think to do is, um, I had a, um, someone in the program, this program, um, you know, agree to work with me. And the only, the time that she was available was, you know, 6, 6.30 in the morning. And at first I was like, well, what? I mean, that doesn't work for me. And not thinking that she has like a whole, her whole life, you know, that she has other things other than me to, to do. So um, I started, you know, I promised myself I was going to, set an alarm to wake up earlier so I can be available at that time. And, you know, from working in the other fellowship, I've found that that is how um, God shows up is just by me taking the actions to make myself available for him to work in my life. And um, I guess I'm going to not try and figure it out because I, I do have proof. I do have evidence of him being there for me um, when I seek him. Um, in other areas of my life. So just because I don't have the answers of how to not binge and purge and what my, you know, I don't really understand what my abstinence foods are right now. Um, I'm just going to continue to take direction, continue to talk to other recovered um, people in this program, um, try to seek a dietitian that can work with a virtually no budget because <laughs> I'm pretty broke right now, um, and just have faith that God will show up, you know, so um, I'm just really glad to be here, and thank you guys for being here, and with that, I pass. Thanks, Erin R. from South Carolina. Don S. Don S. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Technology. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Can you hear me? I do hear you, Don. Okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'm I think I was double muted. <laughs> um I want to thank everyone for their sharing on this. Um it made me see um this paragraph from with so many facets. Um and this is one of my favorite paragraphs. Um because I was raised um See, I'm 55 now, and my grandfather and my great-grandfather were both ministers, and I was raised um, in a strictly Victorian, children are to be seen and not heard, but in a loving way. Um, And, you know, you, you sit in the pew no matter how hard it is, you know, and then because you were the child in the family, um you had to set the example. You could not even have like the appearance of 
uh, you couldn't like have water in a wine glass kind of thing um, because it was, you know, the appearance of doing something that you were not supposed to do. Um, so obviously the term God um, is, is very problematic for me um, uh, because it means different things to each person. I'm like, I needed a strict definition from everyone because not only was I raised by ministers, I was raised by engineers. <laughs> and so um, everything needs to be outlined because I need to know when you're talking about God, that it's the same thing I am talking about. Okay, well, this program helped me loosen up on that a little bit. Um, I was never angry at God because I was never worthy of him. Um, I I was struggling to be worthy of him um, because I just, there was no anger there. I just wasn't coming up. And Significantly, I was specifically taught um, to be against AA because in AA you can make your own God, these, these are quotes from my own family, make your own God so you can get away with anything you want, okay? Um, and even before I came into any of the programs, Al-Anon or... Uh, you know, AA or um, OA, um, I knew that was wrong. My um, intuition told me that was wrong. Um, and I want to go to this word enchantment. Um, it's one of the most beautiful words in any language. Um, and it reminded me, and I'll close with this, um, of the Emerson quote. Um, okay. Um, just if the stars should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men would adore and believe? And I'll close with that. Thank you, Don S. Okay. Um, if you haven't shared on a vision for you on Friday or Monday and would like to share on the third paragraph on page 45, we know how he feels. Press Please press star one to unmute and state your first name. Christina J. Alyssa P. Someone P. Davilyn P. Christina J. Nancy J. I can't write fast enough. <laughs> Let me tell you who I heard. I heard Christina J. And someone P. Who was that? Well, maybe not. And then Gavilin E or something like that. Am I on the right track? It was Melissa P. Oh, Melissa P. Thanks for Thanks. filling me in. Thank you. There. Okay, so I think I heard a Gavilin E, but I don't know. And then there was a Nancy. So I'll I'll just say Nancy. And then who did I miss? You didn't miss me, but Anita J, if there's time. Anita J, you may as well get in there because nobody's <laughs> okay. stepping up. And there's still room for one more. 
Geraldine O from Ireland. If there's Geraldine O, oh, you'll round us out. Geraldine O from Ireland. Great. Okay, so hopefully uh, when I call your name, there's someone who matches that name. Kristen J, go right ahead. Good morning, Christine. Uh, Christine. Christina J, I mean. I just didn't finish writing. Go ahead. Christina J. Good morning. Christina yeah. J from the state of Washington, recovered for today with God's grace. Um, yeah, I think I'll jump in on this. What really touched me over the weekend was I watched a little snippet of something on YouTube regarding coming home, coming home, coming home to love, coming home to be of service. And um, I I always had a God. I always believed in a God. Um, went to church, went to Pentecostal church, and because things were so chaotic at home, uh, that was my only saving grace in my younger years was the love I felt, the connection people seemed to have with something that would rivet them to their core. And I could feel that in my little 10-year-old heart when we started going to this big Pentecostal church in Oakham, California. Um, and as the years went on, I remember my family turned more to a spiritual, uh, esoterical-type belief, and I began to go on many, many spiritual-type journeys. The problem was that I would leave church, I would leave the spiritual journeys and come home, and then I'd go right back into the neon lights of life, the bad attitudes, the searching for human power to correct my problem through diets, through exercise, through um, Vogue magazines, dreaming, fantasizing daily that if I had a perfect body that my life would transform. And I turned away from God. I turned away from God in all of that, looking for a human power to correct my problems. I turned away from love. Love, the mystery, the beautiful mystery, magical. What do I know? I have a pea brain. I have a pea brain. How am I to judge and say there isn't something bigger than myself? Now, that definition, according to the big book, is left for everyone to figure out for themselves. But for me, it starts within. As I was sitting one day a few years back thinking about my body and the miracle of it, who created this? You know, who created this massive, incredible place? I just can't fathom that I just came up from a monkey. I just can't fathom it. And there's a broken link there anyway. So my big connection came a few years back when I surrendered my career, my life, um, I, I, you know, and the food, the food is in the way of God. So that has to go first. And then the stuff comes up, and we get to surrender that to God. There's a, I read this morning in, in the AA uh, Daily Reader, the bridge to God is faith. And I visualized God at one end and me at the other end sitting in my fear. And what is the fear going to teach me? Is the fear going to hold me in love and that magical mystery? Or am I going to walk that bridge to God, to faith, and turn towards that light at the end of that bridge and slowly walk towards it? So, um, yeah, I think thinking too much about this, just getting in and doing the work and letting the program work its magic. And that's what I did finally when I gave up the food, had my step one experience, and realized that the food was in the way of this beautiful program doing its work. I believe this book, and I'm going to finish up with this, is a call to love. It's a call back home to love, right. to God. And then what do we do at home and in love? We give service, just like the prodigal son came home to his father and said, I want to be of service to you, Father. I want to be of service to you. And that's what we get to do. Thank you for letting me share. I pass. Thanks, Christina J. from the state of Washington. You know, I, miss, I wrote too many names, 
So if you don't mind, I'm going to shave about 15 to 20 seconds off of each share so that you can all get in. Melissa P., go right ahead. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. I will be quick. Um, good morning, everyone. My name is Melissa P. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Um, you know, I, I love this part of the big book where it talks about the enchantment, right? And who wondering, like, who made all of this? Um, you know, and before program, there were a couple things that would stop me dead in my tracks and just bring me like this feeling of wonder. Uh, sunsets, sunrises, a beautiful starry night uh, in drive-thrus, free food in the faculty room, or my husband offering to, to buy takeout and let me watch movies upstairs by myself and not have to be a parent or a wife that night. Um, you know, and now my life is so different because I realize now through a lot of work you know, that uh, one of my teachers and fellows talks about these, like, rescue boats that God sends, right? And uh, for me, ever since I was a little girl, right, those beautiful things in nature did stop me. And that, for me, was the way that God was trying to get my attention, saying, I'm here. I'm here. You know, and I love you. And, uh, you know, there were so many times that I turned away thinking that I could do a better job. I don't know about you, but um, I live on Lake Erie. And sometimes I just watch the waves and uh, I certainly can't stop them. I can't make them go. I don't make the shoreline come in. I don't send out the tide. There's no man in a box floating at the end that hits a button. There's something out there. And, you know, <laughs> for the longest time I was killing myself with the food because I couldn't turn my entire life over. You know, and killing myself with relationships and just being an awful human being sometimes. Um, because I wanted to argue about it all. And now it's like I would rather live my life and find out that there's nothing at the end of that tunnel. But stay in my lane and live my life as if there is one and be helpful and be love. Um, you know, and find out there's nothing than the opposite. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just amazing that I don't, I don't have to live like that, you know, and now when I see those sunsets and I get stuck looking at those starry nights when I'm filled with feelings, right. Or watching a waterfall. I don't, I don't argue anymore about who made it all. I just, a friend taught me to just say, I love you too. I love you too. So that's all I have. I love you guys. Have a beautiful day. Thank you, Melissa P. from New York. It's Davlin E. Your turn. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Good morning. Yes, my name is Davlin with a D-E from Winnipeg, Canada. And uh, I'm living in grateful recovery from compulsive eating here in the north. That line we had imagined, we had imagined that we had abandoned the God idea entirely, really hit me this morning. As I've been going through the big book and steps with my sponsor again in a different way, with my heart instead of with my head, I have for the first time in my life felt a genuine connection with this power that is stronger and wiser than I am, this greater power. Miracles will never cease in this program, I'll tell you. 
And also for the first time, I'm feeling what I think is total surrender of control of my life. I now trust that this power, whatever it is, is in charge of my life. It's no longer my job and I feel such relief. I have never before in my life been willing to serve anything or anyone without question. But this great miracle for me at this particular time is that I, as I am preparing to take my third step for about the 10th time, I am actually ready and willing to serve this power. I've never felt that before. And I am so grateful for this. I confess I feel a bit uncomfortable with this new feeling, this giving up control. But, oh, it's just amazing. It's mysterious and amazing. And I am really excited to continue life as a surrendered soul. Thank you all for listening. And with this, I pass. Thank you, Tavlin E. from Canada. And Nancy, I didn't get your initial. Hi, this is Nancy J. Am I the one that you were calling? Yes, yes. Go ahead, Nancy J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Nancy J. from Illinois. And uh, this paragraph reminds me of the very first night I ever went to an OA meeting. I was only 32 years old. It was 1977. And uh, one of my children's friends' mothers wanted to go to something called Overeaters Anonymous and asked me if I'd drive along with her to keep her company. And I said, yes. I had no idea there was anything spiritual about it. I thought it was going to be some kind of a diet program. And I went along with her, and the meeting was in a little church. The lady I went with, my friend, was a very religious Christian, and I basically categorized myself as an agnostic Jew, an atheist Jew. And, but I went along with her and it was a fabulous evening. I loved every minute of it. The people were so warm and friendly and they hugged and they held hands and they were very friendly. And the speaker that night, a lady named Mary who has passed along since then, uh, she became my my sponsor. She was just a, a wonderful, loving person. Well, we got in the car after the meeting And the lady I came with said, well, what do you think of that meeting? I said, oh, I liked it. She said, you liked it? She just hated it. And and it was just funny, the completely different reaction we each had. She dropped me off at my house, and our home was in the deep woods in the suburbs of Batavia, Illinois. We live in Geneva now, but back then we lived in a home in Batavia in the woods. And I got out in the driveway and I looked up at the sky after she drove away. I stood there in the driveway and I looked up at the sky and all the stars and I thought to myself, I wonder if there really is something. So from the very first meeting, I was starting to open my mind up to the idea, maybe there is something. And I always remember standing in the driveway when I read the big book, eventually read the big book and came on this mention on page 46 of Enchanted by a Starlit Night, I was shocked because that was my story. I just couldn't believe it. I was so amazed 
that they're talking about opening up your mind and and uh, thinking, well, maybe, you know, looking at a starlit night and opening up your mind and your heart to the idea there may be Bye. something. Thank you very much, I pass. Thank you, Nancy J. Anita J. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, my name is Anita J. and I am recovered out here in Massachusetts by the grace of God. Never to forget that. Um, You know, the first gift I got from Overeaters Anonymous was my God back. He didn't leave, you know. I'm the one. I'm always leaving. I'm always disappointed. And um, every church we ever went to, uh, and, you know, the last one, the minister was having an affair. My God, that's it. (laughs) And... um, Fortunately, guess what? I have long forgiven him before I knew about that. However, the point is that that didn't then make me, now I've got it. Now, no, no, so many things I did not understand. The second gift wasn't that God, first God, first God came back in my life because of OA, but later I grew up. I grew up on what God is. He is not a, if you're really, really good, you'll get, you'll get, you know, all these great things. No, no, that's not what he said. He said he'd be with you. And um, he's there available to help me solve all my problems. But the point is, um, it took a tragedy, you know. My son was in a terrible automobile accident. And um, somebody died and he was the driver. And um, I prayed for the victim of the family, but I know now I pray for even when I read people who are the parents of the person who was behind the wheel need prayers too. So, and anyway, I, I just finally came to terms with that this God loves us. And if he, he'll, I can use him as much as I want to. It's, it's me that holds back. It's always been me. And um, that's all. There's so many parts to this, you know. Uh, the forest and the trees. Molly was always staring at that tree. I found you, you bad tree. Never mind the beauty of the forest, let alone the stars. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Anita J. from Massachusetts. Geraldine O, and we're a little short on time, Geraldine. Thank you, Rebecca, and good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Geraldine O, gratefully recovered from um, the southeast of Ireland. And, um, you know, there's just been so many um, great shares since we started this chapter. And for me, I would have thought at the start, yeah, that, that, that chapter, that's written for people Maybe not for me, you know, I'm coming into this program, you know, I believe in God, I go to church, so, you know, this should be fine. When I read the 12 steps, I thought this shouldn't be a problem for me. But I suppose what I have learned is that, you know, that that sentence there that says, you know, that the God, uh, the the idea we were brought up um, during our childhood, and that's the one that I had, the reward chart type God. So, you know, if I earned my stars every day by being seen at church and saying my prayers and trying to be good, 
then God would grant me things for me, for self. That's what I was thinking of all the time for self. But I have totally changed my concept of God from my very first day of abstinence. When I was almost overwhelmed by it, I looked up at the sky. It was a dark, cloudy day in November in Ireland. And I said, God, is this really true? Is this how people get recovered? And the clouds opened and the sun shone. And I was just so overcome with you know, the fact that I now was starting to have this newer relationship with God and I saw him in a totally different light. And, you know, I, I, I suppose I hand everything over to him now and it's completely different from the God that I would have come in with. So this chapter is for everyone, you know, from the agnostic, the atheist, to somebody, you know, who thought they had faith like me. You know, it's a totally different um, spiritual um life that I have now and I'm growing every day in handing everything over whether it's work or health and I just see how God is helping me to live life in this new spiritual way and I'm so grateful and with that I pass. Thank you everyone. Thank you Geraldine O from Ireland. Thank you everyone for your participation in this meeting and for the opportunity to be of service. The share ID number for this meeting, Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021, 7 a.m. Eastern Time is 16,630. That's 16630. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Craig S. Please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Yeah, hi, this is Craig F. again, recovered in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirits, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.